Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. Entrusted Hannah quality. For your most precious gift, Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com. What would the world look like if we all pushed ourselves to have candid conversations with people who didn't look like us, think like us, or live like us? I'm Dave Hollis, and I'm on a mission to learn more about this world by meeting more of the people who live here. You may not always agree with everything you hear, but I guarantee you'll come away more informed on topics you might never have thought to seek out before. This isn't just a podcast, it's a community. And when we raise each other up, we all rise, together. Jen, I wanna know in your (laughs) own words for anyone who's been living under a rock and doesn't know who you are, Please tell our listeners a little about who you are, why you're on this planet, and what it is that you do. Oh, man. First of all, hi. Hello to my friend. Hello, friend. So nice to see you. (laughs) I mean, I could get in my car and drive to the room that you're in and be there in 20 minutes, but here we are on Zoom. It's fine. Why didn't we do that? By the way, you just got a Bronco. I've got a Bronco. They've never met. It's not right. Listen, your Bronco is so leveled up. There is just, (laughs) this is, this is a complete, these are two different categories. I actually picked up a picture of the original Bronco that was nice. born out of my Bronco. And when I showed it to my friend, uh, she was like, wait a second, what of this original picture is still on this car? And I said, yeah. and I said, nothing, literally, nothing. literally nothing. There's nothing. One piece about. of iron framework underneath. That's that is, it. That is correct. Yeah. I'd still like to go like, uh, there's uh, like land here in Texas, you know, sometimes sure they have is. water pockets on land they have that driving broncos into small pockets of water it'll bring you joy i'm just it's like a commercial it's like a commercial (laughs) yes yeah you just sold it i'm so happy to see you and i'm so happy to be here with you what am i what is my deal why am i on this planet let's see what do i do isn't it so strange do you ever listen to your kids try to explain what it is you do it is a mess well, especially when we do what we do, because That's what I, mean. I can't explain it to adults at a dinner party. So I, I can know. only. <laughs> I, I, it's, I, it's not clear to me. I, I'm, I'm a writer. I'm an author. I've written like, I honestly, I promise you that I am not sure. It's either 12 or 13 books. And it's just too many. I, I, everybody knows that. I, I'm under no delusions that anybody should write 13 books. You know, I'm serious. <laughs> what am I saying still? What do I know? And yet I'm writing another one. So, you know, I cannot be taught. I'm a writer. I'm a podcast host. I run a big, huge, awesome book club, which is just all fun. Yes, Zero downside, do. only upside. That is the greatest. 
I used to travel and speak in the before times. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. No, I don't, you miss that. Don't you miss the human people in a big room together? Yes. Me too. I miss a lot of what used to happen because those things feel so far away in so many ways. So many ways. It's been so long. And it's funny for me to go back to Jen from last year, this time and hear myself yapping a little bit about how hard travel was, right? Like how much, how taxing travel was. And now I'm like, who will have me? I'll fly to your living room. I will give a speech in front of you and your cousin, maybe your grandma. I'll, I am up for high. I'll do it for free, you know? And so I I really look forward to being with people in a live setting again. That's going to be fantastic. What do you think? Maybe... Is it a year for away still? When do we it, get to do that? It what do you feels think? like it might be. It's so funny because I've just had a couple different keynote things come through. Yeah. And the precious people that had sent the offers were like, you know, our plan is to do it in person. And I was like, oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Uh, I will still do it via Zoom in yeah. six months when yeah. it ends up happening. <laughs> I will gladly have you fly me if, in fact, uh, people are doing it by then. But I just don't know that we can count on it. Ugh, it's frustrating. Do you say you're writing in real time? Fun fact, in a complete departure from my normal work, I normally write for women. As you know, I write nonfiction work for women. It's just a lot of empowerment. And I mean, you and I, frankly, have very similar spaces. Yeah. I also write for women. I mean, I aspire one day to have a man want to read anything that I've written. And yet here I am. (laughs) You probably have the same thing happen to you that happens to me, which is with a a very predominantly female audience when I travel or whatever, when I'm just in the world, inevitably a husband, a man, a man kind of husband will be like, Hey, I just want you to know that I also read your book, like essentially against my will because my wife stood outside the shower and read it to me. Like I was her hostage. And I'm like, well, I'm real sorry. I mean, you didn't thank ask you. for that. But thank you for that compliment, sir. I am glad that I could affect your life in such a profound way. <laughs> exactly. So anyway, that's normally my genre, which I love. I love leading women in that way. I love leading this large community of just movers and shakers and givers and thinkers. Um, but right now I'm writing a cookbook, which is a whole new, yes. like, what am I even doing? What am I even doing? But I'll tell you, it is really fun. You know, when you stretch a new creative muscle and it's just completely different from what you normally do. That's, it's been a while since I've done that and it is awesome. It is awesome. I love it. Like this, the entire thing that I've been, I'm my edits are due on Monday. So I am taking Mm. a break from edits to have a conversation with my friend. I cannot Uh, believe you're talking to me right now. They're due Monday. They're due on Monday. And it's just all red, as you know. Um, God <laughs> I bless do. it. I, I love the editor. I am, mm. uh, I am trying to remember that I can actually decline certain comments instead of just accepting all of them. But the entire thing is about like leaving your safe harbor for the opportunity yeah. to grow that lives outside. And this idea of like finding a creative outlet that yeah. tests or pushes against what you normally do. Yeah. It's right in there. I'll tell you. I mean, it really does, doesn't it? What's interesting is not much happened for either of us in this last year. It was so, boring. You know, slow year. Absolutely status quo. <clears throat> but I mean. in the chaos of upended worlds and lives, yeah. I actually have found permission yeah. in a way that just didn't exist before to try whatever, literally anything. Yeah. Because I think there were so many things that I'd previously given weight to 
just assuming would always exist. And then when those things were not there, it was like, well, wait a second. Like, what other things have I given weight that now don't matter at all? Oh my gosh. You just, you are so right. You're singing my song. (laughs) I have, I've really come face to face in this last year. And for anybody who's like, Dave and Jen are speaking in weird code that I don't understand. Obviously, you and I both went through a a divorce last year, just a couple of months apart, really. Yeah. And after long, long marriages, long times and lots of, loads of kids, loads, buckets of kids. And I think in some ways, similar similarity, I would say, you know, prior to our divorces happening, likely believed that we would be married for eternity. Yeah, forever. Until we're dead and buried in the backyard. And also kind of in a similar not identical, but similar is we worked to some degree in tandem with our spouses. Yeah. Um, that was, we were kind of in the same lane, chugging in the same direction, sometimes in the exact same car. Now being the only passenger in the car, I am noticing all the places where I was really living out of very limiting beliefs. I, I did not even know that I was. I would have told you a year ago, I was operating at super high capacity. Yeah. Like uh, you and I are geared in a very similar way. I'm high on positivity. I'm high on work ethic. Uh, I would have just said, I'm, I'm killing the game. And then when I realized how much of the game I now was a solo player on, I was like, whoa, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to do this. I'd always said, I don't know how to do this. This part isn't the thing that I do. This part isn't a thing that I know. I've never done all this financial heavy lifting. I don't know what, what is a 1099, you know, what, what? And so having to become a learner at first in this regard was really overwhelming. And now I cannot think of a time when I have felt more empowered. I can't remember a season. Yeah. I can't remember it. it. it, It's a process, by the way, because it doesn't happen immediately. Oh, gosh. But I relate to it totally in in a crazy way. One of the things I wrote in this next book is that I made the mistake, and it's not a bad mistake. It was ended up being, I think, a good mistake of sailing off of someone else's map. Right. Mm, like, that's a good way to put I was, tr- I was, I was very excited about doing this work mm. with Ray as a partner in mm-hmm. building something. And I'm so proud of so much of what we did. And yet also some of the things that I thought I was myself excited about was really about, you know, championing and being a, a cheerleader on behalf of her dream. Yeah. That once the things in our life were changing, conjuring the imagination for my dream was a yeah. really difficult thing. Mm. And now that I'm as you know, far removed, whatever, 10 months in for me, the, the way that I am able to dream is just fundamentally different. But in part, it's because I'm the only person driving in the vehicle any longer. I have to know where I'm going. I don't have the choice yeah. of using anybody else's map and the empowering feeling that comes in having, right. even if it was against you know, what you would have hoped to have to go through, finding that kind of breakthrough it's, I mean, shoot, I, I feel strong and totally. comfortable and confident in a way that I haven't in years. Yeah. And yeah, so I have, same. I can, in a weird way, have some gratitude for the experience of this experience, even though there's plenty of stuff I don't want to have to necessarily relive. Sure. And it has sort of a, a snowball cumulative effect too, because early on when you are just stepping out, when you're just starting to sell your own ship, there are like very small incremental wins you know, where you have tried a new thing and it worked. You learned a new thing and you mastered it. You 
put yourself into an arena that you did not understand and you figured it out. Those things start to add up. It really has a cumulative effect. After you put 10 of those under your belt, you're like, hell, I can do it. I can do anything. Right. I can learn anything. As it turns out, we can. Really, really, when we say that is beyond my capacity, that is something I just can't understand, or that is something I can't manage, I can't figure this out. All of that is a lie. You, we actually can. We actually can. And so, so between like even taking the steering wheel back, if you will, to use your metaphor, I mean, we're mixing metaphors here. We're on sailboats. We're in It don't matter. We're I don't in Broncos know. It's just transportation. Come on. Just, everybody go with this. Just pick the one that you want. But then it does, it, it has opened up a chamber in my head like, well, what else? What else? Yeah. What else might I try? What else have I been saying? I'd love to do that, but it's not my thing. What's so interesting is I was someone who was very much like, you know what? I used to be fixed mindset, but I've embraced a growth mindset. And I think intellectually, I had an appreciation Mm -hmm. for what like flipping that switch meant. But until it was forced, like, oh, brother, you got to grow or you're going to drown. Like that's it. Immediately now, it was this thing that, yeah, forced you to do things that you wouldn't have necessarily tried before or had to learn before or done solo before. Yeah. And now that I have, again, like this length of time under my belt, realizing, oh, I can do these things. This is great. That is actually the definition of growth mindset that sometimes a global pandemic, yeah. diagnosis, the job yeah. loss, a relationship ending forces totally. you. And I, I often have said recently that, hey, there's two kinds of change. There's the change that you choose and the change that chooses you. Yep. If you're in, as a listener of this or in either of our communities, I'd like to argue that you're choosing change in some respect because of wanting to become a better version of yourself and Mm. grow in some way. And that's going to be change filled. It's going to force you to be uncomfortable in doing new things. But a lot of us are experiencing change that shows us. I mean, certainly the pandemic exists as an example of that. And there either is you clinging to the playbook that used to exist and be relevant or you realizing that the game's completely changed and you have to completely and fundamentally change the way that you're approaching life. Because I don't know, I think the playbook prior to March of last year is as relevant as a VCR is to my kids. Like it's irrelevant. It just doesn't make sense or matter anymore. Virtually none of our rhythms and systems are the same. Expectations are different. The structures look different. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Everything. And I think that's maybe why so many of us collectively, as I look at you and I share, our our community has a lot of crossover. Watching how we communally felt and spoke like last March, April, May, early on, early when that change that chose us presented itself as being far more insidious than we could have imagined. And we were, we were all just sort of flailing, flailing, kept thinking, but are you going to go back to school? But like, but can you go to summer camp? You know, just, we just kept waiting for the old rules 
to get back in play. When, when can this happen? So now a year in, gosh, when I look around at the people in my life and my community and yours, I'm pretty astonished at the innovation. Um, ultimately the re- resiliency. I mean, oh, yeah. back, back in May, we all thought we were about to just go six feet under. Remember it was just doomsday every yeah. day. And here we are now. I mean, we're th- finding a way to thrive. We're finding ways to flourish. We're finding ways to get our kids through. And so I think it's going to be interesting to see what we take away from this season as a large collective. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now we know what we can handle. We know how we can pivot. And we know kind of what's possible, which is pretty empowering thing to walk away with. Yeah. When when we were like in March, I put up this quote. I I liked the quote, but it became a shareable quote Mm -hmm. in the rush to return to normal. Let's use this time to think about what parts of normal are worth rushing back to. Yeah. And it like at the time it was like, oh yeah, like in May, you know, here we are in March. So like in May, when things return to normal, like who could have thought that it would be a year? But interestingly, I actually think simple and free mm. is a little bit of that same kind of, hey, mm-hmm. can we do an inventory real quick on what of what yes. life looked like is actually worth getting back to when we have an option, when we have the privilege of getting to choose to come back, because whether it's your calendar or what you're spending money on or where you're spending time or the the things that you're consuming from a content perspective, we have have the luxury, if we can see it as such, to really understand why we'd go back to the way things were if some of those things didn't serve us. Absolutely. And it's interesting. It's an interesting tie into Simple and Free because you know, this is a social experiment that I originally undertook a decade, 10 years ago. And the whole idea was that we just got too much. It's just too much, everybody, too much, everything, like too much stuff, too much spending, um, too much noise, too much media, too much waste, all of it, too much stress. But I couldn't figure out what to do with it. And so it was this, this long, almost year long, ironically, experiment in restraint and figuring out what would it look like if on purpose I curbed my appetites toward the places where I'm bored, excess and irresponsibility. Right? Yeah. What, what if I just chose to diminish this down to a much simpler set of options? What would that, what would happen in my life? And so what's funny is that experiment fundamentally altered like my DNA. It, it changed our life. It changed my life. And now here we've got this entire world who's essentially been handed the opportunity to have their own simple and free project via a lack of options that we used to have. And so to your point, it will, we do have the chance to go, you know, having now gone a year without every single option available at our fingertips, what have we learned? What, what rose to the top is actually valuable? Yeah. What were the things that went, yeah, as it turns out, this I cannot live without, but this I can. And did and can want to continue to. These are like deep, 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 important questions, but can really change our trajectories toward health and flourishing if we'll let them. And by the way, even just from like, a, if you're a small business owner, the way that you've had to, at this point, this, you can't have waited out things returning. So That's right. you've created new processes. You're using virtual interactions. You're finding ways around the conditions that we live inside of. And for, I think, a lot of businesses, there's going to be some really big questions about in-person workspace, about overhead, about a whole host of things that is so interesting. I 
hear what you're saying. And then as a parent of four humans and the conditions that have kept them confined so much, I tell you, it's a struggle sometimes to actually ask the question of what it would mean to constrain or have constraint when it comes to things like technology, when it comes, right? Because in an overwhelming season where extra overwhelm ends up getting added on the daily, there is this, I think, default that can be easy to lean on. And I'm like superhuman. I am a superhuman person, not superhuman in that guess what? I get overwhelmed too. And the idea of having an iPad as a babysitter is a thing that could be an easy go-to oh and sometimes gosh. frankly is. But when you're actually able to come out the other side, finding the fruit that comes in the restraints, yeah. it does end up being something that you get to lean on, but it's hard. Oh my gosh. It's hard. Simple and free is of course, it's a, it's a revised, upgraded, updated version of the original project. So I've spent a lot of time on it for the last year, a lot of time rewriting, a lot of time doing fresh research, a lot of time sort of reimagining what it looks like today. So if you can think about the, one of the categories seven, which is now simple and free is media and technology. So if you can think about how much media and technology has changed in 10 years, oh my goodness! like when I originally wrote it, there was no Instagram, there was no Uber. Uh, We didn't have one 100th of the delivery services that we have. There was no TikTok. God, can we please go back to those days? (laughs) And so when I revisited it, I was like, this out of all seven categories is the one where I am the least happy to report any long-term effects. Oh, yeah. This has gotten harder, not easier. Did you um, see Social Dilemma by chance? I, mean, I did. Oh, I thought I mean, about it for days. That's the problem. It burrows yeah. into your head once you see it. You can't unsee it. If you're I a know. listener and have not yet seen Social Dilemma on Netflix, yeah. do it. But then also ask what you're going to do with that now known knowledge of the impact of these social platforms and how manipulative they frankly are in stealing more of your time or creating more of an echo chamber in your totally. life. Totally. Oh. And you know, you and I, Dave, both know this. I mean, the internet has provided us an incredible platform for our careers and for what turns out to be genuine connection. It's, I'm not one of these people that says, I just wish we could go back to 1981 and there's just no computers or only like the rich people had a computer in their house. You know, I, I'm not that much. That's not where I'm at, but where we are at with this constant media consumption and we're only just now beginning to figure out the long-term effects it is having on oh, yeah. our brains, but definitely our kids' brains that are in development. I don't know how to get ahead of this one. I'm telling you that I, I am a, I'm a person on the journey on this one. This is not a manifesto that I have this figured out. When we originally did the project and, and had this month of restraint on media technology, we essentially shut it all down. There was none, and with no internet. We didn't do texting. We didn't. Did you do... start sewing? Did you like go out back and like grow corn? What I did know. You do for a month. Honestly, I was like, and the, and the kids were much younger at the time. They were, and we just had the three kids. Ben and Remy weren't with us yet, and so it was their kids were in elementary school ish. And I was like, God, what are we? What are we gonna talk? You know, what am I gonna <laughs> do with you guys? And the first handful of days feel so weird. It's like a phantom limb. You know, I mean, you can imagine phantom limb, but you know, lo and behold, if you do not figure out how to begin to fill those gaps with fairly healthy alternatives, we play games, 
Yeah. We took a billion walks. The kids played. Do you remember about playing? What is this playing thing? It's uh-huh. been so long. They played. They played. They made <laughs> things up. There was a lot of forts in the house that month. And we spent a lot of time with our friends on porches. Yeah. We did a lot. We had a lot of people over for dinner. Like, let's. It's amazing. Guess, but also, it, like, it these are the trade-offs in a world that doesn't have restraint. This is, like, this is why I love what you wrote then yeah. and how it's been updated now so yeah. much because especially when life starts moving fast and we start getting in our feelings and we don't want to have to deal totally. excess tends to be a default that we go to, to try and offset the negative emotions or the insecurity or the anxiety. 100%. And it comes at the expense of connection and depth and intimacy and a whole host of things. It doesn't ever deliver really what it, what it suggests that it will. Yeah. The whole idea of more, like more is the answer. More. If I just had more, fill in the blank. Really, I mean, pick your category. If I just had a major increase here, then I would be happy. Then my relationships would be working. Then I would find contentment in my life. It's just, that is not true. It is 100% not true. And it was really interesting to get to the end of that whole bananas experiment and realize that we actually found a ton of joy and connection and restoration in in the idea of less. Yeah. Who knew? By like, the way, though, I, I just had this conversation two days ago in the pursuit for when I get to or if and like when my bank account or I get that title or I can finally own a home or I add to my family. It presupposes that there's, it, it in some ways creates this reality that you cannot enjoy the present because of that lack not being present. And you're only ever gonna live where you are right right. now. And so we have to find a way to create that contentment. And I do think that less ends up being something that, you know, outside of the distraction that might keep that little silver shimmery thing in the distance, keeping us thinking that, oh, it's, it's gonna come when, or if we can get enough then, that's, it's just, it's never a way to live. It isn't a way to live. And it, it falls under the law of diminishing returns too. More can sometimes deliver some short-term juice, just right in the minute, in the moment, it has a ceiling. And so we, we keep pushing past it and yet it's, it's a diminishing return down here. And so what I noticed is like allowing less to be an option of whatever it was, less we did food and clothes, possessions, media and technology, spending, waste, and stress. That was the seven categories. And we spent a month on each one. Every single one, we only had seven options. So what I noticed is that when less, when I prioritized less, a bunch of other things became more. I mean, I really mean it. It sounds so boring to say. That's so good though. That, wait, say that again, because that's a great line. Yeah, just when I was like, in this way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick less all these other categories got to become more. And they were categories that I really love. Categories that matter to me, that I that at least say matter to me. Yeah. And there was a, the relational stuff, the community stuff. And then of course, just freeing up a lot for generosity. And that doesn't even begin to start talking about what it means for the earth, what it means for creation care, what it means for our carbon footprints, which they're, they're actually, we can't do more forever as it turns out. Yeah. Apparently, we can plunder the earth. 
and it will not just rejuvenate because we want it to. And so, you know, if 10 years ago, that was a little bit more of a fringe conversation today, it's centered climate change is front and center. And so as we began to look at a lot of the ways in which we consume and the cost the, the cost to the earth and then definitely the cost of future generations, somebody's going to have to care. Like yeah. Somebody is going to have to raise their hand and say, I am willing to reevaluate my relationship with consumption for the good of really and truly like the future. Is there anything in Simple and Free, given the circumstances of this last year that speak to you or did any of the work in writing during this crazy chaotic window produce something that would surprise readers or that was more meaningful to you because of the conditions inside of which you were writing? It was interesting, really interesting in in a profoundly nurturing way to revisit the very final chapter, which the, that category was stress. My, my initial thought was when I'm looking at the basic landscape of American culture, what are our too much categories? So most of them were tangible things. They were more like, you know, clothes and food and things like that. But stress, I couldn't leave it out. It was too, everybody I know is mired in anxiety and stress. And I don't even know how to tackle that one. I don't know what restraint looks like in the structure of stress. I'm not sure how, how to reduce that how to apply the idea of less to that one because it's so internal. So I had a friend, my friend Leslie, I was way already into the experiment, still not sure how I was going to structure that last month, only knowing that I wanted to apply the idea of less to it. And she's like, I have an idea for how the, the number seven can fit into that, I, that, that month. She gave, put a book in my hands called The Seven Sacred Pauses. And it was written by a woman in a, that Anglican order. Okay. So we're talking like nun world, all right? Like in you. And so she had written this book called The Seven Sacred Pauses, walking through essentially the liturgical prayer rhythms of these seven spots from dawn till midnight, where in some of these monastic communities, they would pause for a short amount of time for prayer. And each of those prayers was in somehow connected to that portion of the day. So whether it was the first thing in the morning, it was like, let the sun rise in my heart, things like this. Yeah. Or I don't know, they, they, they had a correlation. And so when I went back and re- went to the seven sacred pauses in this project now, so what I noticed the first time around is that, and I had to set iPhone alarms. I could not remember these things. I mean, you and I, you know, you start working, you look up at six o'clock. Yeah. So I, I couldn't remember any of them. I had iPhone alarms. But I remembered that so many times that little alarm would go off and it's like, okay, it's noon. And that prayer is sort of geared toward let light, just light into my heart. Like, what do I need to turn to the light? And it's got a little bit of darkness around it. Am I harboring unforgiveness? Am I like in super negative headspace? Am I, it, I cannot tell you how many times that interrupted a, a downward tra- trajectory of my day. Sure. Like I was in a, I was in a place. Yeah. I was in a... And all of a sudden, one minute of prayer, that's all it is. It's so short. Yeah. And I was like, cha-ching, whoops, I'm back. And so that month now, having gone back through it this year, I can't tell you how invaluable it was. I went back to those prayers. I went back to that sort of liturgy, um, which, which gives you a structure to hang it on. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not just it's ambiguous. Just like pray. I'm like, I don't, I'm tired. Like, I, I don't, I'm not a good prayer. I'm really not. I'm like, I need somebody tell me what to say. Someone tell me when to do it. 
the daily prayer pauses for me have a hundred percent restored a lot of little broken and wobbly places in my heart this year. Uh, really it's long so answer. good. And it, no, I love the answer. What's interesting is I read also Austinite Ryan Holiday's "Stillness Is the Key" like mm. minutes before our divorce yeah. ends up happening. And at the time I was just like, oh, I need to read another book. I'm going to go sit in the desert for a couple of days and do a little dreaming about what this next year can yeah. look like. And I happened to have read it. And I, I feel like it's ordained in some ways because one of the things that has been the most consistent and powerful pieces of this grief journey, the grief of COVID, yeah. the grief of relationship change, yeah. the grief of the world being upside down in every sector has been me fighting for a morning on a rock in nature mm. to have a conversation with God or just mm. even embracing meditation for the first time in my yeah, life. Same. And this back patio that I've dubbed the patio of peace where I'm sitting out back either listening to music or listening to nothing and just yeah. welcoming yeah. in a crazy way that usually would have had me pushing so much emotion away and trying to not have to handle it. Just yeah. an invitation to sit with feelings and sit with thoughts. and Totally. Get to know them. Welcome, you dark, dirty thoughts. What the heck is going on? Let's actually I mean, try and see if we can't make some peace out of this whole thing. And it was cathartic. It was totally. this beautiful, beautiful thing that could only happen, by the way, in that stillness. That's so good. That's all my heavy lifting in therapy right now is that thing. Yeah. That welcome in the feelings. Let They deserve to have a place in your heart. They're telling you something. They have something to teach you or something to say. And I kind of grew up in a construct where essentially mad was bad. Sad was bad. Mm -hmm. Those were problems to be solved or emotions to be repressed more to the point, especially yeah. for girls. This whole idea of welcoming in the full range of grief, sorrow, fury, just pick it. Pick a thing that we were told is a problem and rather having a little welcome mat for it and saying, okay, well, I, you, are, you have a place at the table. What do you want to say to me has been monumental for me. I've been doing the same thing. I mean, this audience is probably sick of me talking about it, but I've got a guy named David. I'm buying him a boat one session at a time. As a Very happy, great investment. I hope hmm. it's made of the finest oh, hardwoods. Sure. Yeah, he can go out with my um, counselor, Carissa. They can oh, have twin boats. It's exciting. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But this is, mine's called Internal Family Systems. And it's uh, all about just understanding that these emotions are managers. They're parts that believe yeah. themselves to be playing roles that are there to help you, protect you, yes. keep you safe. And even though they might be negative emotions, anxiety, fear, anger, mm -hmm. whatever they are, they're there thinking they're doing their job. Mm. And so as the observer self, being able to ask, hello, mm -hmm. sadness, mm -hmm. what role do you believe you to be playing here that is meant to, to help me? Or hello, anxiety. And it has been transformational. I mean, mm. just absolutely transformational in the process of becoming peaceful with the craziness that sometimes yes. feels like it uh, is overwhelming my mind to just say, wait, I'm not anxious. Yeah. I am the observer to this anxiety. I'm not sad. I mean, it feels like I'm sad, but I'm being introduced sadness and I have to honor that it's there and it plays mm. the role that it believes itself to be playing to help me, even if it doesn't feel great necessarily. It's so true and it's so good. And what I've noticed, what I've learned is that process of acknowledging and not shaming and even welcoming some of those emotions for, for our processing 
as a processing tool, just the lack of resistance toward it means they have lost some power over me. Oh yeah. Maybe six months ago, they were so acute that I thought I can't live. Like I just, I cannot live. I will not make it. I am. I cannot get out of this, but I cannot do this. And now having worked so hard in tandem with my emotions and figuring out how to together make one whole human gin, they're just not as they just lack some power over me now. Yeah. It's like I know what to do with them. It's just work. Everything is work. Everything oh. is work. Everything you and I are talking about today. I'm like, th- none of this comes easy. We have to kind of fight for this stuff. Oh, yeah. We have to fight for this health and we have to fight for this growth and we have to fight for recovery. But it's all, they're all worth it. Yeah. It's all worth the work. I've never regretted a minute I've put into it. But I had a ooh. really, really, I had like almost shame for the feelings I was feeling. I had some totally. resentment for the feelings I was feeling. Absolute but when you, thing. it's like a, it's like a secondary storm. Like you're yeah. adding extra junk on top of the junk that already is there. Oh my gosh, right. And the right, self-recrimination on yes. top of the very natural and normal human way to feel. And I think what what has been the greatest gift at this point in the journey is getting to a place where I can identify those feelings as a reflection of my humanity and not that there's something wrong with me or that it's normal and normalizing it in part, just talking about it with other people or even inside of our social platforms has been a really beautiful form of healing in, in some ways just to say, Hey, I like you also feel these things. And I'm pretty great, even though I'm going through this hard time. And so maybe it makes you as a listener or a consumer in some way of the media feel a little more normal yourself for going through this stuff as well. My Carissa would give you an A plus. Oh, Carissa, get that boat next to my guy David's. Create a boat parade, people. I'm sitting in this house because of you in some ways. Do you Mm -hmm. know this? I mean, I don't know. I think you know this. Well, for anyone who doesn't know, I'm just going to like for two seconds story tell because Rachel and I read, interrupted that Jen wrote and it was a seed plant for a conversation around interrupting or otherwise good life with something. And that something for us ended up being adoption. And so because you'd had your experience with your kiddos, we started a conversation about Ethiopia and adopting the community became something that we started leaning into yours and yours into our, and it led to a first trip on a porch. I saw the picture just the other day after the Ethiopia trip had taken place and it was the beginnings of us getting to know you and your family and the community and this city. That's right. And when the experience of interrupting life for something that was unconventional led to me asking a question about doing a job that other people thought was the greatest. Totally. Interrupting my life became a thing that we thought about. And the idea of moving left us with this or Nashville, frankly, as yeah. places to go. And when we came on our exploratory trip, mm-hmm. came and had dinner with you That's right. next morning, had a meeting with our friend Suze to talk about the foster care charity yep. that I would join the board of. Yep. And ultimately got in a car with our friend Jenny, who right. uh, I, I, we bought this house so impulsively, but on yeah. that day, because of the sequence of events, yeah. having dinner with you, having breakfast with Suze, talking about a yeah. charity that felt like God was asking us mm. to jump on board. And if not for that first domino, 
of yeah. reading a book that you wrote that's put a seed in our hearts to think about a doc, yeah. I wouldn't be here. So awesome. I'm not going to cry about it, but I mm-hmm. am so I grateful that. that I am sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in, that I get to do the work that I get to do, that I have the life, even though the journey since we read that book has been, man, rocky as heck. I mean, our adoption journey was rocky. Certainly this last year was rocky. And yet I wouldn't change anything because I am so grateful for where it has led and the way that God's worked in my life to create the kind of growth that it has. But you've been a sous chef. I'm going to, I look at this, I'm trying to bring something else in. You've been uh, a first mate uh, <laughs> in, in this journey. And I just, I'm, I'm grateful for you and your friendship, Aww. but I'm also grateful for the way that your words, your work, like you never know like whose life you're going to affect yeah. by the things that you write. You affected my life and I'm grateful mm. for you for that. Thank you for that walk down memory lane. That's a, that's a good lane. That was a good <laughs> lane. I, gosh, we've done a lot together since then. We have yeah. really done a lot of work together and put a lot of great content out in the world together and served the community together and changed together. And gosh, what a lucky break that, that I got to meet you all those years ago. And yeah. it is so true that sometimes you just never know what, what that one yes is going to lead to. You know, wow. that one so thing, true. it's just, it's just one domino, but good night. The amount of the effect that it has from there on out. I mean, here we are. This is just crazy. Yeah. And this is just crazy. What year was that? 16, 15, 16, uh, somewhere in there. I mean, like, yeah. it's crazy to think about. Noah's yeah, birthday, is. Noah's turning four right. on Sunday. Yeah. And this was, you know, like our adoption journey started a couple years before That's she right. was born because of the way it, you know, had us going yeah. in and out of foster care and international adoption that didn't work. So it's been years. Yeah, but- it really has been. And, and you and Rachel have both been good friends and it's just been exciting to grow forward. I, isn't that just bananas? That's it's just been, crazy. It is. It is crazy. And the weird thing is I look back at the picture of us on your porch. Yeah. I don't recognize myself. I don't recognize you. I don't recognize Like we are the same people and yeah. we're not. We are oh. the same people and we're not. And I think, to be honest, I would argue hmm. that the things that we're going through and the way that we're being led and the community that we've been surrounded by is pulling out some of the very, very best parts of each of us. Nice. And that gives me one, I mean, I think I'm proud of, I'm proud of you and mm. the work that you've been able to do in this last year. I'm proud of myself, but also yeah. I get really excited about this map, this vision of what ends up sitting next as we're figuring out what next looks like, because yeah. there's a lot more world left to change. And I think I'm going to do it. And I think you got to go do it too. Let's go look, do the thing. Come on. Bro, we got a lot of gas left in the tank. Aren't we the same <laughs> age? How old are you? I turned 46 yeah, last yeah, week. I'm 46 too. Come on, 46. We're in our upper 40s, technically. Oh, um, yeah, that's a weird. Mo- that's a weird modifier. We don't need to go. We don't need to say up. that. Yeah, so no. you and I are both 46. Like we got a big second half coming. Oh, you know what I mean? I a do know what you mean. Big second half, and I don't even have an ounce of doubt about that. Not yeah. one ounce. I'm. I feel real clear. Like there's a bunch of things that's a question mark for me right now. I yeah. don't know. There's just things. Think balls that have not dropped. I don't know yet. I yeah. don't know what it's going to look like. I'm not sure. I do not have a doubt that it's going to it's going to be pretty kick ass. I'll tell you that right now. In the edits today, I came across this line, and I love it. I'm trying to figure out how to like amplify it. But how do you honor the intention 
of your creator. Hmm. I mean, how do you like want, it. like, because I think every one of us has been like very uniquely created with purpose. And there's a lot of times that we spend trying to push back against the intention of our creator because of our worry that we're not qualified to do the work sure. or what people will say if we were to chase it or how it might disrupt the comfort of ourselves or others if we were to fully step into who we are. And I find myself right now feeling like I am trying to get up every dang day and honor the intention of my creator in okay. doing the work that I'm doing. And I see you doing the same. I hope if anything, that anyone who gets to spend time with us online in books or whatever else, they might feel the permission to honor that intention as well. Me too. Absolutely. And I am going to add on to that, that for most people, that intention is even more than you could probably envision. Oh, you know, yeah. I, I think oh, the yeah. capacity and potential that is in every person is so special and it's so monumental and it's, it matters so much. And so I, that's an exciting way to live just this whole idea of thinking what's possible. Yeah. Like what's possible. I think there's a tendency to want to say that's impossible. That's too hard. I can't do that. That's out of my range. That's too unlikely. I get it. I'm going to get the impulse totally. But this whole thought of like, what am I created for here? How could I live up to that potential? How, what a wonderful way to get out of bed every day. <laughs> I it gives love you it. massive permission to just go do, try, fail, learn, get back up. Like, all of it. Right. Okay. All and if this. you fail and literally and nobody cares except for nope. your voice in your head, tell it to shut up and keep on going. What else is simple and free? What is there anything else that you want to leave? Like anyone who is not familiar with the, the book or whatever, I want to make sure that you are very clear of who, who it's for and what it is and any other thing that we can get out of getting every single human who's listening to this to buy the totally. stinking book. So like just the short version is, first of all, I want everybody to know it's not like a, it's not a playbook. It's not a list of rules or do's or don'ts. I didn't, never occurred to me that anybody would want to do it. It was just as experiment in my own life, which was seven ideas, seven months. Just all these, these seven ideas were, I felt like my stuff owned me. I did not own it essentially just boiled down to only seven options that month, just to see what I would learn, see what would happen. So for example, you know, we ate the same seven foods for a month, wore the same pieces of clothes for a month, gave away seven things a day that we owned for a month, et cetera. Um, kind of in the spirit of a fast, like let's just see what happens. Yeah. Let's, let's try less and see what happens. What, what are we going to feel? What are we going to learn? What are we going to see? What are we going to discover? We discovered pretty monumental life change. And so, but again, it's not a, like a big guilty list. It's just what we did anyhow. And it's funny too. You know, it's absurd. <laughs> yes. It's absolutely absurd. I mean, anybody who wears the same seven pieces of clothes for a month is, well, you know what it's called now? Quarantine. It's just kind of really for anybody who's just kind of got the nagging suspicion that there might be more to be found in less. And yeah. I want to say that you're right. And that some of it isn't even as hard as you think. And so anyhow, that's what it is. And so this is its 10 year anniversary. I did a ton of updating, a ton of writing, including, and I'll just say this last, I found a lot of places where I have grown immensely via ideology, theology, perspective, things that I just did not know back then, or I had not experienced, or I had not learned. And so I decided rather than just to take all those sections out, like I hadn't written those problematic things, I left them in and throughout the entire book, I put in this, these bracketed updates from now me to then me. Oh, that's so good. Like, 
oh, 2010 Jen, I'm going to teach you something right now. You did not know when you used that phrase. So it's very humbling. But I kind of wanted to set an example of what it looks like to grow. And that's okay. That's also human. Hopefully all of us know and understand and have perceived things differently than we did 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, So all that's in there too. So it's a little bit of humble pie. And then hopefully if I update it again another 10 years, I'll have to do double brackets to tell 2021 Jen, which she didn't know, what she was getting wrong. Great. I hope so. It's so so. refreshing just to even like acknowledge this idea because all of us are on a journey of becoming and of course course the things that we thought ought to be evolving as we evolve to. Goodness gracious. All right, Jen, uh, on this Rise Together podcast, we close things every single episode by asking our guests to share one takeaway with our audience. It could be an idea, a question, an actionable piece of advice, but what is the one thing you want to leave listeners with today that might afford them a little peace, a little joy, a little fulfillment, a little whatever you decide. It's one thing. What's the one thing you would leave people with a takeaway? I think the thing that I would say, want to say right now that has meant so much to me that I've learned from that I'm working hard on internalizing and making sure my kids are internalizing is that literally whoever you are, no matter what, wherever you are, wherever you're from, whatever you've done, Um, whatever your story, whatever your experience, you are literally worthy of good things. You are. Mm. You are worthy of love and you are worthy of compassion and you are worthy of faithfulness and loyalty and you are worthy of dreams. And everything that's good and beautiful and lovely in the world is yours to have. And you are no less deserving of it than really anybody else on planet earth. And so it wouldn't be neat to just, I I wish I would have known that sooner. I, I wish I would have learned that when I was a kid and didn't have to reach really hard for that lesson as an adult. So let's teach our kids that. And I think they'll just grow up absolutely believing the sky's limit. You're one of my favorite people on the entire Same. planet. Ladies and gentlemen, Jen Hatmaker. Uh, if you don't follow Jen right now, well, I'll judge you. You ought to be. Jen, uh, where, where, where do people find out more about every great yeah. thing you are doing in this world? Follow yeah. you on social, all that kind of fun stuff. I mean, as far as I know, I'm the only gin hat maker. I really think that I am. It's Thank just God the for that. weirdest name in the world. And so I'm gin hat maker everywhere. Facebook, the Twitters, the Instagrams, the websites. It's all the same. If you can, if you can type gin hat maker, you can find me. You're good. Yeah. All right. Well, then listener, I have, a, I have a favor to ask on behalf of my good friend, Jen, and myself. Take a picture of this podcast in real time. I want you to tag myself and Jen in your social media feed, I want you to tell every human being you've ever met in your entire life, even the ones you don't like any longer, that this is an episode that they have to listen to (laughs) because there is goodness and joy here. And between now and next week, please remember in Jen's words that you are worthy of good. We'll see you next week. Thank you, Jen. I appreciate you. Thanks, friend. Rise Together is hosted by me, Dave Hollis. This show is produced by Chelsea Harfouche and edited by Andrew Weller with production support by Sterling Coates. Cameron Berkman is our executive producer. Rise Together is a product of The Hollis Company.